Well, everybody, it's an honor to be here. My, my name is Blake Bennett. I am not Pastor Gary Weber. He is infinitely better pastor than me, better preacher than me. You are definitely getting kind of the leftovers today, but he and I were at Maple Street a little while ago because that's what you do when you really love God. You go to Maple Street and you eat biscuits, right? And everybody said, amen, right? Amen. Because it's Maple Street. So we're there, and uh, I, we were just talking about life and ministry and everything. And I said, man, what's something I could do right now that would really bless you? And he let me know he was going out of town uh, this week, which I've been told where he's at is actually a mystery that's like, it's under wraps because he's like deep in somewhere secret, preaching the gospel to somewhere secret. I don't know what that means, but Pastor Gary is the man and the team that went with him. It's pretty amazing. And so I said, yeah, sure, absolutely, because normally on a Sunday, I don't, I don't leave uh, my church. We meet one block from here, the city church. And if you're new to this whole story, we're over at Landon Middle School, and our story is your story because you helped start us about three years ago. And I know if you're new, you might not know that connection. Um, if you were to come over and hang out with us on a Sunday, which you shouldn't do because this church is awesome, but if you ever were, uh, we're just like you. The heart, the DNA of this church, to love God, to love people. Our, our pants are a little skinnier. <laughs> There's a lot more tattoos, different haircuts, bigger beards. But other than that, we are just like you. And so this is like a friend coming home from college, our son, our daughter coming home from college. Like it's just a a little visit. I'm home for a little while. I, I fully expect to sleep on somebody's couch tonight and then eat all your food. I'm just in for a little bit and... And uh, happy to be here. And I wouldn't normally leave my church on a Sunday, um, but Pastor Gary is one of those few people that I would do anything that he asks. Because uh, don't you love your pastor? Isn't he amazing? So thankful for him. You know that saying, if your friend dropped off a bridge, would you jump? Well, if that friend's Pastor Gary, I'm jumping off too. I'm just like, I'm just there. And I'm thankful for his leadership and his mentorship in my life. And I'm honored to share this word with you today. Normally, when you get a chance to speak at another church when you're a pastor, you're like, sure, I'll just preach the very best message I've ever preached. Y'all have never heard it before. And I'll just lie and tell you I made it up that week, right? And it'll be great. And uh, then Pastor Gary texted me the exact scriptures that I'm supposed to teach you today. And I've never taught them in my life. And which means two things. I'm really excited and I can tell you the truth. I did get a word from God for this church today and I'm excited to share it with you. And so if you would, go ahead and grab a pen. Get ready to take some notes. Open up to Acts chapter 9 because we're in the middle of a series right now on the book of Acts. And uh, this message I have for you today uh, is titled, Get Up and Go. Get Up and Go. And I, I pray you take notes. If the person next to you is not taking notes, that's totally okay. It just means they don't love God as much as you. So just (laughs) give them grace. Let it slide under the rug. Don't worry about it. Get up and go. Let me read our text, and I'm going to pray for us. We're going to be starting in verse 36. Um, If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one today. And the verses will be provided on the screen. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. Tabitha is an Aramaic word. It means gazelle, right? So that's kind of a cool name, gazelle, lovely. Um, But... In Greek, her name is Dorcas. If your name is Dorcas, I know you did not get a vote on your name. But ladies, if you have to choose between Tabitha and Dorcas, which one do you want to roll with? You want Tabitha, absolutely. But here's the cool thing about this woman. Whatever you call her, she was always doing good and helping the poor. What a legacy. And about that time, she became sick and she died. And her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. 
All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and he prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. Come on, everybody say, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word. God, what we need today is not a speech from a man. God, that's not why we gather as your people. We gather around your word. Your word, God, your spirit is what we need, breathing life through this text. And so I pray that wherever we are, God, however this story relates to us, that we see your resurrection power on display in this story. We believe that that same resurrection power is alive today through our resurrected Savior. So we pray, God, have your way in our hearts. We open our hearts to receive from you right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone said, so I'm a fifth generation pastor, which is kind of a lie. Um, I'm actually supposed to be a sixth-generation pastor, but my great-great-grandfather, the actual fifth generation, screwed the whole thing up and just taught Sunday school. And so, you know, he didn't plant churches, didn't do that whole thing. And so I split the difference between six and four and just go with five, right? So I'm a fifth-generation pastor. And like many of us growing up in church, uh, we learned the importance of evangelism, of talking to people who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And the question that I was taught to ask people, and you've probably heard this question— If you were to die today, do you know where you would spend eternity? Anyone heard that question before? Yeah, you heard that. And that's a, that's a, powerful, that's a powerful question. We used to uh, take that question and we would uh, go to different homes and knock on doors and, and we would talk to people. And I'm telling you, nothing will, will really engage your prayer life like house-to-house evangelism. I prayed so hard every time we went up to a house. I was praying, Jesus, please don't let them be home. <laughs> it's just nerve-wracking, right? And knocking the door and we'd ask the question, do you know... Today, if you would spend eternity in heaven, if you were to die today. And here's why we ask that question. Because it might be sobering, it might be tough to think about, but death is certain. It's certain. So there's power in that question because we, death is inescapable. The, the results are in. According to the latest scientific studies, one out of every one person will die. That today, over 151,000 people will take their last uh, breath. That death is certain. That death comes for all of us. Are you encouraged yet? And t- tell Pastor Gary that, what did Blake talk about? He just talked about dying the whole time. It wasn't really that, that great. The, even if you live to be the oldest person, the oldest person in the world right now, her name's Emma Marana. She's like Italian. She's 120-something years old. It's amazing. Amazing. She, by the way, attributes her long life to eating raw eggs in the morning and drinking scotch at night. And she's never been married. That's what she says is the secret. Just don't get married. You can do, can live to be 127. And by the way, she is a terrible smoker. So throw everything you know about the universe out the window. The world is not fair, right? But even if you live to be that old, say you make it to 130 or 140, death is still, still certain. It's, it's around the corner uh, for, for everyone. And the challenge with us is that everyone thinks that we have more time. And because we think we have more time, we don't like to think about it because at the end of the day, it's, it's really un- uncomfortable. Uh, and uh, because it's uncomfortable, we all are struggling to find answers for it. And so every culture has their own, their own, their own answer. 
And so if you ask, uh, say, uh, an atheist, the, the answer is that this is all there is, that there is nothing beyond. So, you know, you, you die, you go in the box, that's it, end of existence. Um, if you were to ask uh, certain Christian circles, we'll use that term uh, loosely, there's ideas of like middle ground, like purgatory. And so like if you die, then you, you, you know, it didn't really matter a whole lot what you do here, but you'll go kind of to a middle ground and depending on what happens next, you can maybe uh, get an elevator ride up or, or take the escalator down, like you're just in that middle ground. Uh, around the world, people try to answer this question of death because death is so certain. The Muslims have a system of five pillars that if you work hard enough, if you uh, achieve enough, you can earn your salvation, right? And it's this idea of keeping these. Uh, the Hindu has this idea of reincarnation that based off of how you live this life, what you do here matters. Based off of how you live here, you will be reincarnated again. The cycle will continue in the next generation and you can be reincarnated into an either more holy vessel or a less holy vessel. Um, you have Buddhism. It's this idea of samsara. It's this idea that, that life really is ethereal. It's, it's here, but it's kind of not. And that the goal is to detach yourself from the things in your being that attach you to this world, take a step back, and then you can escape this kind of nothingness, etherealness, and ascend to a higher level. Um, I have no idea what Scientologists believe. We'll have to ask Tom Cruise. I'm sure they have their own belief system, but the reality is that everyone's trying to answer this question. The good news is that for us as Christians, we have clarity. In fact, we believe in something called the resurrection of the dead. That we believe that at the end of this life, this is not all that there is, but we will be raised to life again. That we will um, go and beat our Savior. That in this body is just a tent. This is not me. I'm not a body with a soul. I'm a soul that happens to temporarily have a body. And that one day this body goes into the ground like a seed to await the second coming of my Savior. And I will be resurrected with him. And when I see him, I'll become like him. And I'll get that new Terry Crews body. Right? That body of a bodybuilder. That body by God. Anybody ready for a new body? Right? That's, that's the future that we have in him. It's so important to our faith that in the book of Hebrews chapter 6, the resurrection of the dead is actually discussed as an elementary teaching. It's put on the same foundation as repenting from dead works and belief in God, baptisms, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And that it's said that this is an elementary teaching. Here's why. This is why this is so important to our faith. This is why this story matters. Because a woman coming back from the dead is surprising. The Bible calls these supernatural events that we read about and still see in our world today signs and wonders. Have you ever wondered why the Bible calls them that? It's not really that complicated. It's actually in the name. Signs point to things, right? That's what they're there for. They, they tell you what's up. They point to things. Dorcas or Tabitha raising from the dead is a sign that points to the resurrection power that is in God. A wonder is something that makes you think more deeply about something. That the story that we have just read is supposed to make us think more deeply about our own death and resurrection. That we would step back and say, if God can prove that in the natural with a woman named Tabitha, how much confidence should I have that when this life is over, that I will be resurrected and I will see him and I will become like him when I do? Maybe the better question for us today isn't, if you were to die today, do you know for certain that you'd spend eternity in heaven? Because the reality is that most of us, we're not dying today. Maybe the better question is, if you don't die today, how will the world be any different? This is why this is so important. 
Because what we believe about death determines how we live life. And that's just this thing in Christian circles where the point of Christianity is to just hang on to the rails long enough until God takes you home. But the world never changes while you're here. Anybody hearing me? All right. All right. I come from a church where they literally yell things at you. It's scary at times, but just every now and then just blink. I am still here. See, this is so important. What we believe about death determines how we we live life. If this is all there is, then there's no reason to live for something greater. But all of this is going to be rewarded one day for all the great things and all the poor things we've ever done. If this is just building up to something greater, then how important is that belief? If this is not all there is, if resurrection is possible, then it brings meaning to everything in life. If resurrection is possible, you think that you have a dead-end job, but really you can glorify God right where you're at and bring him glory and change the situation that you can impact the people around you. If resurrection is really possible, then what we do in our families matters for eternity. If resurrection is possible, then any situation that we would look at and say hopeless, God says, no, there's still hope there. That even in the toughest things, I know I was at a wedding this weekend, and they were talking about, the guy was saying that wedding is a walk in the park. And I was like, buddy, you've been married for like three days? Like, what's up? What? He goes, but that park is Jurassic Park. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> right? That makes sense. And the reality is that even the toughest stuff in our world, it has meaning because this isn't all there is. And that how I handle the tough stuff, how I handle the difficult things, how I respond in this life actually is working for me a great reward at the resurrection. See, there's, there's three things that I learned from Tabitha's story. All right, here's the first one if you're taking notes. The first thing is that all die, but few live. All die, but few live. I hear the clicking of the pins. The anointing of God is flowing, right? Taking notes, I hear it. All die, but few live. You've probably heard this before. Um, even though death is certain, living and leaving a legacy isn't. See, but Tabitha, she left the legacy, didn't she? Here, let's read it again. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. That is is what it would say on on her tombstone. Tabitha slash Dorcas. Always doing good and helping the poor. She left a legacy. And about that time, she became sick and she died. And her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. So let me ask it this way. Um, What's your legacy going to be? For her, when she left, she was missed because of the love that she had given while she was here. So what's your legacy going to be? And will your legacy matter in eternity? See, we are building for ourselves rewards in heaven, but we're also leaving behind a legacy on earth. There's been said that there's two deaths that everyone has. The first death is the death that you breathe your last breath. And then the second death is when your impact is no longer felt on planet earth. That it's done. You're no longer remembered. Your impact was never, that's it. That's the end of it. See, Dorcas lived her life in such a way that she left an impact, that it mattered not only in eternity, but it mattered here on earth. What will you be known for? Here's the second thing that I read about the story. Did you notice this, that even good people die? Have you ever wondered, man, life is so unfair. If you haven't, just keep living because it's not fair. And if anyone should get a pass on dying early, it should have been Tabitha, right? 
I mean, what an amazing woman leaving this legacy. Literally in her death room, people just grabbing on to cloth and crying. Just the things that she had made, the legacy she had left behind. If anyone should get a pass, it should be, it should be Tabitha. See, death for us is so unbearable. We could go across this room and we could share stories of how one, people we've loved, we've lost. And that is such a painful reality. And the reason why it weighs so much on the human soul is because, to be honest, it was a question that we as human beings were never supposed to be asked. That when God created, he created it perfect and without error. In his creation, you and I were the ones who cursed this world. We brought sin into this world. We broke this world with our actions. Now the curse that we live through brings death, it brings pain, it brings suffering. We were never really created to bear the weight of this. That's why when you experience the loss of something, whether it's the loss of a friend or a relative or a close person in your life, or even the death of a dream, something you believe is going to happen. I thought I'd be further in life by now. I can't believe it didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen. When we process through these things, there's that depression, there's that anger, right? There's that frustration that comes with it. But thank God our Savior doesn't leave us in the midst of it, that he chose to show up and say, I am the answer to the question. I am the truth. I'm going to show up in the middle of this question Y'all were never designed to be asked that the human heart cannot handle. And I'm going to bring you up out of this and give you a new normal. It's not going to be the same, but I can show you a new normal. Because that end is not your end. That if you still have breath, you still have purpose. That there's still work to be done here. That even though all die, few live. But I believe that in this church and in your life, you can truly live. Life isn't fair, but our God doesn't, doesn't leave us in it. He doesn't prevent our earthly death, but he chooses to redeem it. And that's really good news. That this is just a part of it. So I encourage you, live. Here's the second thing we we learned from Tabitha's story. Uh, Hope speaks a better word. Hope speaks. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him. Please come at once. I love these disciples. Those are some good friends, right? Some good friends. There's a problem. Tabitha's gone. Let's go and help. Good friends. And Peter went with them. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and he prayed. Turning to the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. And we're going to split verse 40 in half. Okay, we're going to call it to verse 40a. Everybody say a. All right, so we're on side A of this verse. Spoiler alert, side B of this verse, Tabitha comes back to life. Okay, but we're going to stop right now on side A, where Peter looks like a crazy person speaking to a dead body to come back. Anyone ever felt like that in life? Everyone's like, this is hopeless, give up on it. You're like, no, God has spoken something to me. Even if it looks like I'm yelling at a dead situation, I will not give up the hope that God has put in my heart. I will not give up on the dream that he's placed there. I'm not going to give up because he spoke something to me. I'm going to hang on to it for dear life. See, hope speaks into our situation a better word. What I love about Tabitha is because she left the legacy, did you check this community of friends that she had around her? The people that had been impacted by her in her house weeping. The disciples that cared so much about you. They're like, we hear Peter is in another city. And just earlier in chapter 9, we heard that Peter healed a man. So maybe the one who heals a man could also raise a woman. And so they go and they, they reach out for him. And Peter experiences a situation that he's never been in before personally. But he's in a situation that he's seen Jesus in. 
Do you wonder why he kicked everybody out of the room? Did you notice that? Hey, everybody get out. He did that because that was what was modeled for him in Mark chapter 5 when Jesus raised a little girl. See, everyone in there, Tabitha's community, they're beautiful, they're, they're awesome. But, but here's what I noticed. In this situation, the disciples saw a problem that needed to be fixed. The widows saw an ending, but Peter saw a new beginning. And so Peter says, listen, all y'all that are clinging to the past, I need y'all to get out of the room for a little bit because God's going to be doing a new thing right now. I just need you to make some space right now. Can I tell you how important it is to have the right community that speaks hope into your situation? So incredibly important. And we build those relationships in our best days so that we have them in our worst days. If you wait till you're going through a crisis to say, man, I really need some friends, it's too late. Like you, we build them in our best days so that our relationships are strong for us in our worst days. I have a mentor in my life. He, pastored, he used to pastor a really large church and, and uh, he has since gotten out of the ministry. It wasn't a moral failing. It wasn't a mismanagement of money. He didn't start preaching that snakes can like bite you and you'll live forever. None of that weird stuff. Um, he just got burnt out, tired. I quit, I'm done. And I began to ask him, what can I learn from that situation? Because I don't I want to be that guy. Only one out of ten pastors actually retire in ministry. Y'all pray for Pastor Gary. What he does is tough. Pray for your pastors. This is not easy, right? If we had, they, they asked me when I was planning the church, the people that, that helped us get started, they said, can you imagine yourself doing anything else? And I thought about it, like, if you can, go do that thing. It will be much easier. I was like, no, I can't. Okay, then you can go plant a church. You know, when you have no other option, it's tough. And, and, and so pray for your pastor. But, but here's what I see that in this. It's that um, hope speaks into that situation. My mentor friend had lost a son and had never grieved through it. And so ministry was tough. Now he's dealing with the loss of a son. And he just goes right back into do-do-do-do-do-do. And he needed some of that time to process and to heal. And he never gave himself permission to. And so what he told me is, like, if I could do it differently, I wouldn't be isolated. I would just let somebody know how much I was hurting. That I had hopes that are now gone. That I had a son that is no longer here. That something, a part of me that is really part of me in me has died. And I cannot go through this alone. He said that the thing he would change is he would not be isolated. Can I tell you, solitude is a gift from God. Solitude. The ability to retreat. All the introverts said amen, right? The ability to retreat, get alone, think and process. That's a gift from God. But isolation is a curse from the devil. That we would go through life alone. That we would try to, to experience the pain of life alone. That we would move through the death of this world around us as it's slowly decaying. That we would go through that alone is absurd. And we were never created to. When my brother uh, was two, he was fascinated by boats. You know, two-year-olds, it's either trains or boats or dinosaurs. You just get one of those. And little boys, they're all about that. So he was obsessed with boats and my grandparents had a boat, but the boat was not in the water. It was out uh, in the front yard because we're rednecks, and that's where you park boats. <laughs> and so my, my brother snuck out of the house one night at dinner, climbed up into that boat, and turned on the motor. So it's very loud. He immediately gets terrified. We're running out of the house like, what is happening? And we turned off that, but it did a lot of, a lot of damage to the motor of that boat. You know why? Because boats weren't designed to operate outside of water. They're created to operate inside of water. That, that's actually when they sit in the water, they, they take water in, that which cools the engine, and then it moves through it. That's how the, the, the motor doesn't overheat. And here's my brother operating outside of water. And it was never meant to, so it burns out. 
Can I tell you that in this Christian life, community, the people of God, your church, that is the context with which our faith with God was designed to function and to operate. It is the water that our faith sits in. And when we go through this Christian life in this world alone, we will burn out. But when we sit in the context of community and that community flows through us, there is hope and there is life and we don't grieve alone. We go through this together. And I have seen this church is exceptional at walking people through grief. That if you would reach out and say, hey, I'm hurting, you would not be alone in this. That there is a family here that God has put together in the San Marco area that would be there with you, that would support you, and that would walk through it. But we have to know, open your mouth. Build that community around you because hope can speak a better word into your situation. Now, here's what I really am excited to share with you. This idea of Peter kicking everyone out of the room. We discussed that he did that because that was what Jesus had modeled for him. When Jesus raised a little girl in Mark 5, everyone was crying. He said, I need you to get out of the room. Peter walks up and he sees people mourning that literally are clinging to the garments that Tabitha has made them. Literally clinging to what was but no longer is. Clinging to the past. And Peter has to tell them, I cannot move forward into a new thing until you're willing to let go of the old thing. And I know it's verse 40, side A, but verse B is coming. And I can't get there unless y'all can let go of the past. Can I tell you a lie from the enemy? Is that the past is the best it will ever be. He loves that one. He loves to speak that lie into our situation. You know, that last season that's over, that's the best season you're ever going to have. You're an empty nester now. It's all downhill. You just had a baby. Enjoy the death of your freedom. Whatever lie happens, right? Like, it just... These things come into our world. And the devil, whatever season we're in, loves to tell us that the last one we were in was in the best one. And we have nothing to look forward to next. That's getting stuck in verse 40, part A. Looking at a dead woman without hope in your heart. Peter says, no, no. It's time to let go of the past, reject that lie, and believe that if resurrection is possible, your best days are always ahead. Always ahead. That even if today is the last day you'll ever live, that the best is still ahead of you. Because you're going to wake up in glory with your Savior. That whatever you have celebrated in the past, it's good to remember and to celebrate it. But don't cling to it so tightly that you miss the new thing that God wants to do next. Sometimes you got to just leave the room. I'm thankful for what God did in this room of my life, but i got to leave this room. I'm going into a new one. I'm thankful for this past season. Thank God for that past season. But the best is still ahead of me, and I have to position my heart to be a heart of hope. Hope speaks a better word into my situation. Don't get stuck on part A when part B is right around the corner. Choose to believe that your best days are ahead of you. Because they are. Because if the dead woman can come back from the dead... How much more so can God speak hope into your situation today? Hope speaks a better word. This is what I felt like God wanted me to say, even if I had to speak it kind of into this church prophetically. Southside, you are a church that was almost 80 years old. You know how crazy that is? You know how few churches make it to 80? Regardless of that, they make it to 80 and are full of life and hope and making change in a community like you are. Can I tell you, though, that even though you are 80, the best days for this church are still ahead. 
that there is a calling on this church, that there's a destiny in this church. I, since I've been here, I've seen multiple churches close down and move out of our community. God is just as much about starting new works as he has about taking established ones and breathing fresh life and bringing hope into a city. That if we don't get hope in here, then how can we ever bring hope out there? And that the best days are still ahead for this church. Keep serving. Keep living. Let, celebrate the past, but don't cling to it so tightly that you can't move forward into the future. And I know I'm talking fast, so I will slow down. All right. I'm just excited. But you probably could not tell. Here's the third thing. Death is a liar running out of breath. Death is a liar. It screams loudly. It screams with ferocity in its deepest voice. But death is a liar running out of breath. That one day this whole world is done away with and it's made into a new creation. And God wipes every tear from our eyes. He makes us new creations in him. And he sets us in a a new heaven, a new earth, where his presence is the only light source we need. His glory radiating from his throne is all that we need. That, That when we see him, every painful moment of this life, we will say, like Paul said, what a momentary affliction that totally pales in comparison to the glory that has been awaiting me in heaven. That death is a liar and it is running out of breath. So Dorcas opens her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. That's part B of the verse. That's good news. He took her by the hand, helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and he presented to them alive. Aren't you thankful that our Savior never wastes a sorrow? That whatever it is that we've come through, that he says that he will work all things together for our good. If we would place our sorrows in his hands, that he would actually move through them for our good. And he never wastes a sorrow. That the truth is that we aren't the ones that are dying. We are the ones that are rising, and it is death that is dying. Don't be deceived by what you see because hope is confidence in the things that we cannot see. Faith is the assurance of what I can't see with my eyes. But can I tell you what my heart tells me and what the story of Tabitha tells me? That there is something more and our God is able to raise the dead. And that death is at best a liar. I think Dorcas is a beautiful natural illustration of what God wants to do for each of us spiritually. I think that's why this story happens. That God did something amazing for us naturally so that we can see what that means for us spiritually. Here's how the Apostle Paul puts it. Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will be transformed. The scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? I know some of you are stung right now, but that venom of death is being removed by the hope of our Savior and the hope that is to come. Death is losing its sting in our Savior. For the sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power, but thank God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, just like Tabitha was taken out of the room and presented to her friends, one day you and I will stand before God and be presented before him. Raised, new, and standing before him. And it's amazing to me that in that moment, some of us have never thought about it. Which is crazy because what we believe about death will determine how we live our life. And 
If I'm not going to stand before a Savior one day and give account for all of this, then what's the point of, 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 of trying? What's the point of living a holy life? What's the point of sharing my faith with others? What's the point of all of it? But if this moment happens where I will be presented new in Christ before my Savior, if that's actually going to happen, it changes everything right now. I saw a bumper sticker one time. It said, live your life in such a way the preacher doesn't have to lie at your funeral. I think that's good advice for all of us. That we would live our life in such a way that we remember that the end is in mind. And one day I'm going to stand before my Savior. So here's what I like to do every now and then. Look at the last seven days of your life. The last seven days of your life. What if that was all that was being presented to our Savior? You stand before him. He looks at the last seven days. What were the things that you were hungering and thirsting for? Was it righteousness? What were the things that we were seeking after? What were we using the resources God has given us towards? What was it you were spending your energy and your hope? What was it that you were so worried about? That took up so much of your Tuesday, and you carried it into Wednesday, and you didn't have any fun on Thursday either, because of that thing you were worried about. What was the things that took up so much of our energy last seven days? What if we were to flip that? And what if you were to know, hey, guess what, on Monday night... Tomorrow night when you go to bed, that's going to be the last time you ever fall asleep. But good news, all God's going to look at is the previous 24 hours. So you got 24 hours. How differently would we live that 24 hours? How differently? Man, I bet. I'd be like, cool, mortgage, sell the house, give it away. I mean, obviously, you can't do that because you still have to live in a house. But if you could, right, we would just be different. We would actually say hello to the person that serves us for lunch today and actually leave them a tip, not a nickel, right? Like we would actually be good people, not terrible people. Who was I just preaching to? It got so silent in here. So we would just live differently because we know we're being judged. I don't know if if everyone's had the privilege of riding in an Uber um, or doing Airbnb. See, what they've done is so amazing. When you get done with Uber or you get done staying at an Airbnb, they ask you to rate the person that drove you or to rate the house that you stayed in, which is really cool. So the first time I stayed in an Airbnb, I was like, this is great. I get to rate them. I did not know that they got to rate me back. <laughs> right? And, and so now I go into my second Airbnb and I'm like, ooh, I'm going to give an account for how I stay here. I better kind of help make the bed a little bit. Don't leave stuff out everywhere. You know, I'm going to give an account. I'm going to get rated. That's life. That is life. That at the end of this, we will give an account before God. And here's the crazy thing. Some of us, we think about that moment of being presented before him. And all we think is he's just going to tell us all the things that we did wrong. And all the things that he's disappointed in. But in one of the most incredible signs of mercy and in grace, he actually in that moment rewards us. That somehow my Savior says that he wants to put a crown on my head. That is mind-blowing to me. That when I did the right thing at my business, and it could have been a huge deal for me, but it would have been unethical, and I chose to worship God at work anyway, that God sees that, and I get a much greater reward in heaven. That when I wanted to choke my child, I did not. And God saw that in that moment. When I really wanted to tell my sister-in-law what was on my mind, but instead I held my tongue and spoke with peace, that God sees that, and I am rewarded for that. 
when I gave that check that nobody knew, and I didn't want any fame for it, but I just gave it because I knew it was going to be used for God's kingdom and for his purposes, that God saw that, and I will be rewarded. You know, everything before him, somehow he rewards us. That, to me, is the greatest sign of mercy and grace, that he just doesn't say, you can kind of get into heaven smelling like smoke, but he says, and I want to say thank you for all the incredible things you've done in your life. Live for the end in mind. Live with the end in mind. It's all worth it. We will be presented before God. The range of rewards goes from everything, from sitting beside him for all of eternity to having everything in life burnt up. And all of us will be somewhere in the middle. So I'll have the worship team come back up. And here's what I want to share as we close. I have no idea if I'm in time or not. Probably not. They give me 50 minutes back at home. Is that right? That clock there? I will take everybody to lunch. I will be waiting back behind that door. <laughs> See you there. Here's what I want to I ask of you. Um, we just read in 1 Corinthians that Paul says, I'm going to reveal to you a wonderful secret. Here's my, here's my request of you. Share this secret. Share it. How we live life so often is determined by what we believe about death. Do we really believe this? Because if resurrection is possible, then we need to share it. We need to give this hope away and to encourage those around us who feel hopeless. We need to speak into their situations and be that friend. Some of us, we need to leave this place and we just need to make a phone call saying, I'm really hurting, I'm isolated, I don't want to go through this alone anymore. Will you be that person speaking into me? Share the secret, just like we see for Tabitha. This became known all over Joppa and many people believed in the Lord. I think that there's stories all across this room of death that has been overcome, that pain and sting has been swallowed up in victory, and you chose hope and to let go and to move into the next room, and that through you, God wants to be a blessing to others. Share the secret. Share the secret. If we could stand together, I want to pray over you. I think someone today is going to have a Tabitha moment, that today is that moment where you're going to get up, you've been laying in it too long, you've been sitting in that hopeless situation too long, been throwing yourself to a pity party, you know when you send invitations out for a pity party, the only person that shows up is the devil, and you've been in that situation so long, and it's time to step out, to get up, and to go, full of hope, and full of courage, and it would be my incredible honor to pray with you. So across this place, if we could close our eyes, bow our heads. If this message was for you today, if the Lord is calling you, saying, listen, resurrection is possible. It's time to get up. Fill your heart with hope again. That's just a liar. It's running out of breath. Listen to my voice and silence the voice of the enemy in the name of Jesus. If that's you, I want to pray with you right now. If you would just raise your hand all over this building. I see you. Hands all over. Anybody else, pray for me. It's time for me to get up. Some of us were staring at dead situations. You need an injection of hope. Hands all over. Anyone else? This is between you and the Lord. Father, I thank you for every hand that's raised. And today we choose to be a people that get up and go. That we choose to be a people that believe in hope and in the resurrection of the dead. That this that we see is not all that there is. That one day what is being worked around us and through us is producing an everlasting glory. And that 
we're going to stand, stand before you and be presented before you and give an account for our lives. And I thank you, God, that today there can be a change of heart and we can be proud to stand before you in that moment. We don't have to be ashamed. Jesus, on the cross, you scorned our shame that we can stand before you full of hope and full of joy. And I pray that would be released over everyone in this room. Fresh hope and fresh anointing today. For any situation that feels dead, like Peter, we speak to that situation and say, get up. We believe Jesus' blood covers it and that there is resurrection power in the gospel, in the message of our Savior. And before we sing this next song as we maintain this attitude of prayer, if you're here and, and you want to establish a relationship with Jesus, you just know you're far from God right now. I don't want to pray for you from a distance. I actually want to pray for you personally. And so either during this next song, if you want to come up, I'm going to be right here at the front of the stage. I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to have you come up on stage and share your name. It's just you and the Lord, and I want to pray with you and walk you through that. That's you. If you need to give your life to the Lord today, if you need to experience a new life, that come to a moment where you repent of the direction that you are walking and believe in Jesus as your Savior and move in a new direction, I want to help you cross that finish line. I want to help you get that journey started. And I would love to meet with you right now. Come on, church, let's continue in this attitude of worship and prayer. If that's you, have courage. I'd love to meet with you.